the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And he gathered all of his lost sheep that were scattered, and he went before them into Galilee where he gave them the Great Commission. And I love this about Jesus. He's always a good shepherd to us. Even when we abandon him or go astray or wander off, he goes and he finds us. And he brings us back to the flock. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one that is lost, that has wandered off. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Instead, he restores us. As humans, we frequently take the wrong path. We fall into the enemy's trap, whether in joy or sorrow, and end up in the grip of sin. Even as Christians, we are prone to falling into Satan's traps. But do you know who always gets you back on track? In today's message, Pastor Dan clarifies how Jesus is the Good Shepherd. When you get off track, Jesus is the one who always brings you back from every trial and difficult situation of the enemy and puts you back on track. Jesus loves you and will never abandon you. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy of reconciling us back to the Father. The joy of spending eternity with us. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. As we see later in this passage, Jesus didn't want to suffer and die on the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. He prayed and asked, if this cup could pass from me. He didn't want to go through the pain. He didn't want to suffer, but he stayed and he went through it out of obedience to the Father and because of his love for mankind. And listen, give me your attention, please. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example to follow. And sometimes we find ourselves in a really, really difficult and painful situation that we just don't want to go through. Just don't want to go through this pain. I don't want to deal with this. And we may be tempted to look for a way out, to look for the exit and take it when it's the Lord's will for us to stay and just go through it and just endure it. And that's God's will. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And we say, yes, amen. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want resurrection power in my life. But the rest of the verse says, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. See, sometimes God calls us to the fellowship of his suffering. 
Sometimes he calls us to be conformed unto his death. You know, Second Corinthians chapter one, Paul says of his own life, he's talking about his own situation. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Paul, again, he says, we were crushed by our circumstances. We were overwhelmed by our situation beyond our ability to endure, beyond our ability to handle it. We thought we would never live through it. We thought we were going to die. This is going to kill me. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to live through this. This is going to be the end of me. I don't think I can take this anymore. And he says, but as a result of of being in that fellowship of his suffering, as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Something has to die to be resurrected. Something has to die to be resurrected. And sometimes we have to experience the fellowship of his suffering to experience the power of his resurrection. And here is Jesus, our example. And Jesus could have easily left town, got out, escaped. But he chose to stay. And he chose to endure it. Because that was the Father's will. He didn't want to. He asked if there was a way out, if this cup could pass from me. But he stayed and he endured it. Look at verse 31. As Jesus and his disciples were making their way to the Mount of Olives, Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So Jesus dropped this bomb on the disciples as they're walking to the Mount of Olives. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. All of you will fall away. That's what the word stumble means. All of you will abandon me this night. Jesus says, For it is written, the disciples abandoning Jesus is a fulfillment of prophecy. His abandonment was predicted in the Old Testament. God knew in advance that the disciples would abandon Jesus in Gethsemane. And Jesus quotes here from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. And he actually quotes the second half of the verse. But I want you to see the whole verse because the verse Uh, actually has some important insights for us. So turn back to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Here the Lord is speaking. The Lord God, Zechariah 13, 7, says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Notice that the word Lord is in all capital letters in your Bible. It's Jehovah, Yahweh. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's the part that Jesus quotes. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. Now, Zechariah was written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And this verse is talking about the Messiah who was to come and, and here, the Lord calls the Messiah who is to come, my shepherd, my shepherd. So the Messiah will be the shepherd of Israel. What did Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. 
He didn't just pull that out of the air. He's pointing people back to the Old Testament, Zechariah and Ezekiel, where God talks about he's going to send his shepherd, the Messiah, to be the shepherd of the people of Israel. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one Zechariah wrote about and Ezekiel wrote about in the Old Testament. I'm the promised one. I'm the shepherd of Israel. And the reason I want you to see this entire verse in your Bible is because this verse emphasizes that the Messiah will be both man and God. Man and God. Look at the verse again. The Lord God is speaking here, Yahweh, Jehovah, and he calls the Messiah my shepherd, and he says of the shepherd, my shepherd, he will be the man who is my companion. You should underline that in your Bible. He's the man who is my companion. So the Messiah, the shepherd of Israel, will be a man and the companion of God. That word companion in your Bible, it means to be equal to, to be equal to. So the Messiah will be a man who is my equal. My shepherd will be a man who is my equal. In order to be equal with God, the Messiah must actually be God. And so the Messiah will be both God and man. What does John's gospel say? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. First Timothy 3.16 says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He's both God and man. That's why Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, because he's both God and man. A mediator must represent both parties in the mediation equally. And so he must be both God and man to be our mediator. If he's only God or only man, he cannot be our mediator and he cannot reconcile us to God. Jesus is both. He is the man who is my companion, God says. The man who is my equal. Look at verse 7 again. The shepherd will be stricken, and when you strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now turn back to Matthew chapter 26, and look again at verse 31. Jesus quotes from Zechariah and applies it to himself, I will strike the shepherd. Jesus is indicating here, he's the shepherd that the Lord spoke of in Zechariah 13. I'm the shepherd. I'm the Messiah. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Look what he says. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So Jesus is the shepherd. The disciples are his sheep. They will be scattered. But after the resurrection, Jesus will go before them into Galilee, or he will lead them. The good shepherd will find 
all of his lost sheep that were scattered and lead his sheep into Galilee. And after the resurrection, if you know the story, after the resurrection, the good shepherd found two of his scattered sheep on a road to Emmaus. He found some of his scattered sheep fishing on the Sea of Galilee. He found the rest frightened and hiding in an upper room in Jerusalem. And he gathered all of his lost sheep that were scattered, and he went before them into Galilee, where he gave them the Great Commission. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And I love this about Jesus. He's always a good shepherd to us. Even when we abandon him or go astray or wander off, he goes and he finds us. And he brings us back to the flock. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one that is lost, that has wandered off. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Instead, he restores us. But verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Even if all of these other guys stumble, I'm better than them. I'm more spiritual than they are. I will never be made to stumble. Now, Peter often gets a bad rap for saying stuff like this. But I personally believe that Peter was sincere when he said this. I believe Peter sincerely thought he would never be made to stumble, that nothing would ever cause him to abandon Jesus Christ. He believed he was so committed to Jesus Christ that nothing could ever make him fall away. After all, it was Peter who said, where else would we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. And in Peter's mind, at least... Forsaking Christ is an impossibility. It'll never happen. I'll never do it. Listen, Peter was overconfident in himself, overconfident in his flesh. You know, the Apostle Paul says, have no confidence in the flesh. But Peter had full confidence in his flesh. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Peter has a haughty spirit, and he's going to fall. You know, we're all capable of denying the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all prone to wander. All we like sheep can go astray. We can all turn to our own way. And you know the story of Peter. Not only will Peter deny the Lord, he will deny the Lord when questioned by a little girl. It's not like they waterboarded Peter and he cracked, or somebody put a gun to his head. And said, deny the Lord or you're dead. No. A little girl said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he melted. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of the guy. And we can all be as weak as Peter. I think it's why we all like kind of laugh at Peter. Because we can all relate to Peter. Now look at what Jesus says in verse 34. 
He speaks very, very poignantly here. Jesus said to Peter, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Jesus says, Assuredly, your translation might say truly or verily. You know, and what the word means is like, what I am telling you is absolutely true. I assure you, Peter, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter, you think you will never be made to stumble. Peter, you will not make it through the night. You will deny me before morning. Not once, not twice, but three times, Peter, before the sun comes up and we've got cakes on the griddle. You're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, Peter, you will deny me three times. Now, here's the thing for you Bible nerds. Chickens and roosters were not allowed in the city of Jerusalem at that time. You weren't allowed to keep chickens and roosters in the city. So there were no roosters in the city, or at least there shouldn't be any roosters in the city. But Jesus knows there's at least one rooster in the city. It's not supposed to be there, but there is one that is there. And so what did Peter think when Jesus said, before the rooster crows? Did Peter think, roosters? There's no roosters here, man. I've got this. There's no way I can fail. There's not even a rooster in this city. Did it boost his self-confidence? His self-assurance? Peter said in verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So it wasn't only Peter who made such a definitive declaration of their commitment to Christ. All of the disciples said this. Verse 36 says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Now the word Gethsemane means oil press, as in an olive oil Press there on the Mount of Olives. It's called the Mount of Olives because there was a big grove of olive trees on that mountainside. And they had an olive press that was located near the base of the mountain at the bottom of the Mount of Olives. Hence the name Gethsemane or olive press, oil press. John's gospel tells us it was a garden. That's where we get the name Garden of Gethsemane. Interestingly, this takes place. In a garden. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, Jesus is called the last Adam. The last Adam. The first man, the first Adam, was also in a garden. The Garden of Eden. And it was a garden, in a garden, that the first Adam disobeyed God. And rebelled against God's will. And it is in a garden that the last Adam, Jesus Christ, obeyed God and submitted to God's will. It was in a garden that the first Adam hid from God. And it's in a garden that the last Adam sought God in prayer. In the first garden, the first Adam was driven out and kept out by an angel with a sword. In this garden, the last Adam will say, put away your sword. In the first garden, the first Adam failed And mankind was ruined by the disobedience of the first Adam. 
In this garden, the last Adam prevailed. And mankind was restored to God by the obedience of the last Adam. See, the Bible says that we are all born into the first Adam with his nature. We're born again into the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And we're given a new nature when we're in Christ, the last Adam. And so it's interesting that this whole thing takes place in a garden and the last Adam will prevail where the first Adam failed. And it's as if Jesus is, is reversing everything that the first Adam lost in the garden. So verse 36, he came to Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, And he began to be, look what it says, sorrowful and deeply distressed. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And the idea here is he was suddenly overcome with sorrow. Like sorrow just washed over him. You know what that's like. Where just an emotion washes over you. You suddenly are filled with sorrow. And he became deeply distressed. Mark's gospel adds another word that means to be struck with terror, to be struck with terror. So he's terrified all of a sudden. Peter, James, and John have never seen Jesus like this. Now think about the last three and a half years that Peter, James, and John have spent with Jesus. They have watched Jesus face thousands of hungry people without food. And that didn't strike terror into him. They've seen him come face to face with demon-possessed people, too many to count. And that never shook him. That never shook him. He's faced lepers. He's calmed storms. And nothing phased Jesus. Nothing ever distressed him. The disciples were distraught and thought they were going to die in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. They even woke Jesus up. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Do something. Here they thought they were going to die in the storm while Jesus was napping in the boat. That's how cool he was. That's how in control Jesus was. Nothing rattled him. But now he's suddenly overcome with sorrow. Sorrow washes over him. He's deeply distressed. He's overcome with terror. He's terrified. They've never seen Jesus like this before. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. I feel like I'm going to die. Stay here and watch with me. They've never heard Jesus say, I am exceedingly sorrowful. They've never heard Jesus say anything like this. Now, you and I, we have days where uh, we feel bad. We have days where we're overwhelmed or where we're stressed out. And we may tell someone, hey, I'm having a really bad day. You know, I'm really going through it today. But Jesus has never said something like this before to the disciples. They've never heard Jesus talk like this. Psalm 45, verse 7, if you're taking notes, Psalm 45, verse 7, it says of Jesus that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy more than his companions. He was anointed with the oil of joy more than his companions. Jesus had joy more than anyone else. He asked 
been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This is a book that may cause you to be curious about the history before and also what comes after. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-giving scripture they might not hear elsewhere. What an opportunity to reach people who are lost and without hope in the world. We'd be grateful for your prayers as the word is going out through these messages. If you'd like some specifics, we'd ask that you pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would have more and more souls join him because of the truth of his word. Thanks so much for listening today and for praying. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to calvaryec.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on in the book of Matthew right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.